As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. It's I look at the date here, and it's June 28th as we, as we record, and training camp is like right around the corner. I know I say this every year, but I just can't believe how quickly the NFL offseason goes and, and how, how close we are to football again. So, Jordan, how are you doing? And uh, are, are you going to be able to take some downtime here? Because you know how it goes. Once training camp starts, the, the, the roller coaster starts and you, and you don't get off. So uh, how are you doing? And uh, are you going to are you going to be refreshed and, and re-energized re- by the time training camp comes around? Yeah, you know what, Rich? I'm pretty excited. And I think that as as human beings and as professionals in this field, like I think this, that one thing that we need to maybe talk about more is how we force ourselves to take breaks. <laughs> Yeah. Or the fact that we need to force ourselves to take breaks. I remember we, ta- you and I talked last year, and it was about this time that I had started my drive across the country. I was freaking out, as you rem- re- recall, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know had thrown everything in the car, including the dog, who was quite a, quite a great co-pilot. I think I've told that story before. Yes, but we were releasing stories like as I was on the road, right? And it was because we. We just wanted to hit the ground running, both of us as a as a as a team, like as a tandem. We just really wanted to hit the ground sprinting and try to carve out a special place in the hearts of of Rams fans, of subscribers, and all of that, and to make sure that we had things consistently, you know, consistent reminders that like, hey, football is coming back, guys. Football will be back, and we're going to do it in a different way, and we're going to try to do it in a in a maybe hopefully unique way um, this year. And so I was I was kind of laughing about that because I was thinking I was like, "Oh my gosh." So I'm I'm about to take a break for the first time um in in a couple of years actually. And I'm really excited about it. I am also again once more kind of freaking out, Rich, <laughs> because I don't know. I think I'm going to get to day 2 and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. But I think it's so important to recognize when 
you're really burned out and it's not for lack of, of loving what you do. Cause as I think you guys know by now, if you listen to this podcast and you hear all of our idiosyncratic sensibilities, uh, you know, that this, this is what I live and breathe and love and everything in my life other than Tucker, the co-pilot. But it's like, it also can, it can burn you out. Like, oh man, it can burn you out. Can it? Yeah, it can. And it, I think it's a good, you know, we're, we're going to get into football here, but I think this is a good thing for everybody to hear. It's like, I, I know I hadn't realized it either until a week or so ago. And I, I took a Friday off for a, for a three day weekend. And I went, wow, this is nice. I forgot what this was like to, to just kind of <laughs> step away. And I had, whether it's you and I, or, you know, anybody out there who's listening, I think we've all kind of fallen into this world where we just, we work, you know, we're working from home, our, our work life and our home life just blend together and you don't separate them anymore and you don't mm-hmm. take as much time for yourself. And it is really important uh, to, to do that. So uh, Jordan, I'm glad that you're doing that. And, and I hope other people, you know, our, all of our great listeners take that to heart a little bit too. Hopefully everybody's uh, doing well out there. But Jordan, so you're telling me that it is not a coincidence that you are going to take a little downtime right in this window when Kevin Demoff <laughs> told us that the new uniform could be released anytime be- between July 1st and, and the start of training camp. <laughs> You're telling me that's just a coincidence, right, I know. Jordan? You know what? When he was on the, I had, I had already requested the time and it was so funny when he was on the podcast uh, the other week, I was like, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> because, because I'm sitting there and I was like, well, I guess on whatever day that is, I've got a window and may, I might, I might hit, it might be after my, my little break window. I might have timed it. I may have timed it really well. Um, obviously we don't know the exact day that it's coming out, but if it is before training camp, which this is their hope, then July is definitely the month to expect those. Um, and I would not, I would probably guess probably not the very first part of July, because if I'm just looking at it from like a marketing perspective, everybody is kind of taking their vacations right now. Um, if if they can, and I hope everybody can, and I think it's kind of funny we're we're both sounding very Sean McVeighish right now in terms of like you just got to get away from it, guys. You just gotta you just gotta find some time and just get away from it sometimes, and then come back refreshed. And um, that's my Sean McVeigh impression, <laughs> for better or for worse. But um, I think that we um, I think we're both sounding very McVeighish because as we know, like h- himself and all of the coaches are taking their breaks right now, getting some family time. Um, a lot of people in the organization, this is the time that they they recharge because because it is it's it's like a roller coaster. And actually, I think this the roller coaster won't even start with camp as a whole for the organization in terms of just the the fanfare around it. The the year starts over again. Football season is back when those new uniforms come out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no question. That'll get everybody Did fired you get up. Goosebumps and... when I said that, Rich. Oh yeah, yeah. I just, I, it's hard for me to sleep at night. You know, just getting uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure with everything, you know, fans coming back down there in Irvine. I don't know exactly how that's going to go yet. They haven't really announced. Uh, what the procedures are, but I, I'm sure they'll want to show those off down there and, and everything else. So yeah, it's it's exciting to to talk about that stuff. But everybody, you know, from coaches to players to you know even beat reporters want to be want to be in the best mindset and the best uh, uh, you know attitude going into training camp. So so yeah, Jordan. But you know we we've got some stuff to talk about here, and I, I want to uh, just make sure people you know Jordan talking about her work and taking downtime. Uh, so much good stuff on on the athletic app and, and website. I don't even know whether we'll have time. 
time to talk about the Terrell Burgess story, but I, I would encourage everybody to uh, to go read that. Uh, just another great in-depth piece from Jordan, uh, getting to know a Rams player and, and the development of a young player who could be very important uh, even as soon as this season. So so go check that out. But uh, Jordan, you had yet another piece that was uh, actually was really, really interesting and I, I think is super relevant to a lot of stuff that's going on. You know, Matthew Stafford and, and developing his connection. We, we talked about how important the offseason is. Uh, and it's it's not always what happens on the field. I know Sean McVay talks a lot about, about the, the, the above-the-shoulders uh, mentality that, above that you neck. have to have. Above the neck, thank you. Yeah. I, I'm a little out of form here. So, yeah, above above the <laughs> neck. Uh, but but there's two sides of it, too, Jordan. I mean, there, there's the on-the-field kind of rapport, and then there's the, you know, learning things about each other and um, developing that chemistry and and that, that you know, Jared Goff had so, so well with, with with Cooper Cup and some other receivers. So where are they with that sort of stuff? I know you got some great stuff from Cooper Cup. Uh, where do you think they are in terms of develop, developing that sort of thing? Yeah, one thing I really love about interviewing Robert Woods and Cooper Cup is that they always get it. Like they always they always get sort of the the angle at which I'm approaching a story, big picture. They, you yeah. know, it's not just a perfunctory like Q&A session and none of, you know, not many of these guys are like that at all. So that's not to say anyone is, but especially those guys, it's almost like you see the, oh, that's what she's writing about. And then they just give me like a phenomenal answer. And right. they do that for for all the reporters. And like, it's just a really, it's a really, if you guys want to go ever look through and kind of get a feel for the experience, um, the Rams do post all of the, um, all of the interviews on their website. And it's um, really fun sometimes to go back and listen because when you're in the moment, you're taking notes. It's really fun to go back and listen. They just get, especially those two, Robert and, and Cooper, they just get so into detail. And they throw out little details that maybe you missed the first time or you you really start to put the pieces together. Um, so one of the examples here was Cooper getting so into detail of what exactly he was studying with Matthew Stafford. And part of the development of the report, I mean, there are a million little things between the quarterback receiving the snap, not even calling checks, not even diagnosing, not even communicating with the center, but between specifically when the quarterback receives the snap and then releases the ball out of his hand toward toward a receiver, there are a thousand little things that can make um, such a huge difference. And when I noticed in in um, OTAs and in minicamp, you know, Cooper Cup was. Um, probably I would say like the lead guy uh, Robert Woods was was in and out of some of the OTAs in terms of um, working with doing his his private work his separate workouts in the facility and then being on the sideline and helping coaching guys up versus also taking reps and it was you know these guys are on a, a program so it's never right. helpful to count like snaps people take in in spring workouts because right. they're all in a very specific program and so it was very clear that. Cooper's part of that programming was to really get that on-field work going in the spring when maybe there weren't as many um, receivers around. And then once minicamp started, he sort of removed himself out of um, the offense, as as did Robert, and they stood back sort of behind Matthew, behind the line of scrimmage, and they um, they just started diagnosing and looking at how Matthew did things based on the the receivers who were sort of copying the routes that Robert and Cooper would run, but they just happened to be second and third team, fourth team receivers. Cooper Cup would stand and like uh, like JJ Koski or, or somebody would would run like a choice route 
which is where the receiver can choose which way he breaks um, based on what he's seeing the de- the defender or defenders in front of him do, what he sees the leverages on the field are. And a lot of times that can set up in sort of a waterfall effect where the rest of the guys on the field go and especially where the progressions go for, for the quarterback. And so obviously that has to be something you're really in tune with, with the quarterback, because the quarterback has to be inside the receiver's head, yeah. seeing the same things that that he's seeing so he can know where the ball's going. Because again, that's not communicated. It's the receiver's choice after after the snap. Um, yeah. Cooper would stand back and he had a play sheet and he went from developing the on-field rapport and very much stacking those building blocks together to then shifting to a completely different part of establishing the timing and the rapport. And that was stepping back and having some someone basically like imitate him as a scout teamer basically and but run those maybe first team reps and run those those routes and and do those same types of things so that he could then communicate with Matthew this is what I like to do when I see this when I see this this is what I like to do here is the 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 place that I like to get the ball and then Matthew very much collaborating oh what do you what do you see here here's what I see here's how we can um sort of develop our own unique language because Cooper has a lot of those types of routes um in his tree now on the other hand Robert Woods runs a lot of yards after the catch, right? right? So one of the big elements that he worked on with Matthew, and a lot of this happened in the film room because obviously they are not, they're running uh, in shorts, there's no pads, there's no contact. Right. So a lot of the yards after the catch work happened in the film room until training camp starts. Well, Robert Woods has gotten so good at this as one of the guys who leads the league in yak yards every single year has gotten so good at this that he knows exactly like down to the inch where he needs to catch the ball in order to maximize specifically those yards after the catch. Like how can you catch the ball and at what angle can you catch the ball so where you can tuck and really have the the physics of it really are, are prime in that moment where you can really establish yourself after the catch. And so in the film room, he and, and Matthew would sort of like pass notes to each other and he would send Matthew extra <laughs> extra cut-ups and everything about like exactly what those windows were. And and you could see those those items like sort of stacking and building in real time once they got onto the field. And to me, it, it's just fascinating. And and I, I picked just two receivers for this piece in particular for a reason, not just because they're the number one and number two receivers, but because they do different things in in certain ways. And I think that a piece like this shows a very small extrapolation, like maybe a microcosm of he's got to do this with everybody. It's not just these yeah. two, right? Yeah. But this is how much there is in just these two guys who do these different things, who maybe seem like they do similar things, but really do different things within the tr- within their route trees and things like that. And not only demonstrating that and how much there is to learn just in that space, but there are f- going to be at least four other guys, five other guys that Matthew Stafford's getting the ball to who are not even counting, you know, not even counting the running backs, <laughs> you know, right. and, and this is and obviously not even counting like your offensive line and all this. So it, to me, it just start, it establishes just a very small microcosmic level layer of what the magnitude is, the magnitude is of what Matthew Stafford is trying to do right now. 
Yeah, and it's so important, and, and that's why I imagine you know people. I know people get excited about rookie quarterbacks coming in, and like, oh, you want you, but can, can you imagine what it's like for a? I cannot. For, no. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy, Matthew <laughs> you're Stafford. Talking about burnout. Oh my no, god. No, it's it, it's it's enormous. The I mean, you you can come in and play, but but to come in and play well and thrive and do all these things that you're talking about, you just can't do it. You just can't walk on the field and have it be like, okay, I'm the quarterback, guys. Let's 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 go play some ball. Like it, it, you can you can try that. Uh, but if you want to actually thrive and, and have a connection with your teammates, you have to go through all of these steps that, that Matthew Stafford and these players are going through. And, and obviously, Jordan, you're focusing on the on the receivers in this particular piece. But to some extent, he's got to do it with the offensive line, too, yeah. and, and have them know, you know, his his cadence or, you know, to develop a, a relationship with those centers or even the, the tackles to know, like, OK, where is he going to slide if he gets some pressure? Can Is he going to step up? What You know, like there's all of these things that that have to be done in order for that uh, cohesion to, to take place. And, and to some extent the you know, Jared Goff had developed that with, with guys over the last five years. And, and now it completely changes because Matthew Stafford is, is different in, in pretty much every way uh, than, than Jared Goff was. So yeah, it's uh, you, you might see here off season and think, Oh yeah, they're just out running around and getting some exercise and getting yeah. back in shape. No, getting the steps in, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. not quite. But you know, Jordan, the other thing that gets me is, and I, I'm sure part of this is by design when you're talking about the Rams. Uh, I'm certain it is. But you're talking about guys who are really, really smart. And I Mm -hmm. I don't mean that to – that might sound trite, but – um, you know, Robert Woods, I mean, I, I, I covered Robert Woods briefly at, at USC during during his last year, uh, his last season there. And I remember he, he was like that then, uh, you know, as a 20-year-old kid or, or whatever it may be. I mean, reporters would talk to him like he was a coach because he was he was just so smart and, and knew everything that was going on and could explain everything. I would be shocked. I, I have no idea what Robert Woods, you know, aspirations are for his post uh, playing days. If if he's not a receivers coach, at least, uh, if not more, I, he absolutely could do that. I mean, he, he is so technically good and so smart that I, I think if he desired, he could he could absolutely, you know, step onto a, st- a staff. Cooper Cup, I mean, from, from his rookie year with the Rams, I remember people telling me, you know, he wanted to sit in on the quarterbacks meetings. Uh, as you know, as a rookie out of Eastern Washington, you know, he, he wanted to know everything that was going on in the offense. He didn't just want to know what his role was. He didn't just want to know what his routes were. He wanted to know what everybody else was doing on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the mindset of maybe even a, a potential offensive coordinator one day, you know, to, to where he really understands, wants to understand the entire offense. And of course, Matthew Stafford goes without saying, I mean, the, the success that he's had uh, over his career, I mean, Sean McVay, it's like, I feel like every day is Christmas for Sean McVay now uh, to, to have, you know, Matthew Stafford in there and, and have a guy that we, we talked about it before. You've written about it uh, several times now, just just about the, the connection and and uh, how those two are going to be able to play off of each other. So, yeah, it doesn't mean we're we're, we're talking glowingly here and it doesn't mean that that everything is going to be, you know, perfect once they get on the field in September. But right. it's about laying those bricks right now. And, and that that's all you can do. Right now, it doesn't guarantee anything. doesn't Doesn't mean that everything's you know they're going to have the number one offense in the NFL. But Jordan's just done a, a remarkable job, you know, throughout all these stories of explaining, you know, what all the steps that that have to be gone through uh, during this period. So, um, I you know, fortunately for them, you know, 
things with COVID went relatively well to where they were able to, to do pretty much what they wanted to do, I think. Uh, get that work in, you know, be in the video room, which is something they weren't able to do last year. The Rams, no NFL teams were able to do last year. They were doing it all on Zoom or Microsoft tablet or whatever it was. So uh, fortunate for the Rams that, that they were able to get that time together. And uh, I think we're all fascinated to see how it's going to play out when training camp starts. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, Rich, you know, I will. I do want to say one thing. It did seem like they did get a lot of really good work in. And part of the interesting thing about watching OTAs and minicamp was how they sort of stacked building blocks. And I, and just as one example, especially when it came to like the communication for Matthew, the, this did not make it in the story because it kind of took it into another direction. And I just wanted to keep everything a little bit more cohesive, especially when it's like 2,200 words. You just want to try to keep it streamlined a little bit. <laughs> there was an interesting way that they also sort of upped his communication. And part of it, on the one hand, um, you know, Andrew Whitworth was there. The entire offensive line, we mentioned this on a previous podcast, the entire offensive line was there through the spring. And that's yeah. not, I, I don't want to say that's rare, but like these are veteran guys. So it was really important that they were there taking the reps, even through a voluntary space. And like Andrew Whitworth was there. Um, and he, as we know, is one of the backbone communicators, not just of the line, but as the of the offense as a whole. So that was really important. And I think that was an interesting way to sort of establish what the language was, right? Well, then by the time minicamp came around, they actually had removed him from the starting lineup so that, um, and he was work doing workouts on the side and he was um, sort of coaching on the side and helping some of the younger guys. But they, it's almost like they removed him so that Matthew could then step in and like own the communication. It was almost like, um, you know, what do you do without the security blanket almost? Like, what do you do without the guy who is, is always like, Oh no, actually that's this or, Oh no, actually. And as you're learning like this, those first two weeks were the first time that Matthew had played live in this offense. So of course you're going to have somebody there who can sort of troubleshoot and guess and check and between Andrew and Cooper and Robert and and some of these guys, like, of course, you're going to have someone who can sort of troubleshoot in that way. But then when the reps increase, and you get into some of those more live seven on sevens, and those high speed 11 on 11s, that's when you sort of take the training wheels off because you you have uh, Andrew out of the lineup at that point, Cooper is not in the lineup at that point, Robert is not in the lineup at that point, the training wheels are off. So it's Matthew commanding things and dictating and directing. So I thought that the way that they stacked those those building blocks up together, I thought 
that was very interesting. And we would also be, I think, quite naive to think that that was not totally by design. Um, and to me, those those types of details are, are really interesting. That, that kind of stuff happens everywhere. But for me, this is the first really in-depth look at a new quarterback coming into a uh, – previously like sort of high caliber offense in a while based on actual movement, not injury where it's a backup coming in or anything like that, like based on actual um, personnel change. So um, this is fascinating stuff to me. And I also think that everything you said about the receivers are exactly right. Um, and another reason why these two guys, Cooper and Robert are so valuable um, and why it kind of baffles me to hear, like, when some of these rumors get kind of thrown around every, it seems like every off season or this off season maybe has felt like a million years long in terms of like packaging guys and trades or whatever. Like, that's just not, I mean, everyone's talking about everything this time right. of year. I mean, really, guys, like, every, everyone is just throwing out, remember, I mean, that people are throwing out like, uh, hey, you know, you, you ever think about sending Aaron Donald our way? Like, ha, 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 ha. Click, <laughs> hang up the phone. Like, people are just throwing out shit this time of year. And teams are all talking to each other about everything. It's no different for certain high-profile players who come out on the market and are available for trade or, or what. But it's just these two guys are so important to the fabric of this offense. Like, the very fabric of it. They're not just their stat lines, guys. And I, I don't... I cannot get over that when I see that on social media or like in certain blogs or, or whatever. Like I can't get over that. These guys, these two specifically, I don't know what happens after this year, but first of all, you restructured them both. So, you know, you're doing yourself quite a disservice if you part ways with either of them this off season because you restructured their, their money. And second of all, you have a new quarterback <laughs> <laughs> like right. and the super you're hosting the super bowl like you can't these are two guys who are crucial to the fabric of what you do on offense yeah absolutely i mean just just so important it's it's not even the things that you see on the field sometimes and yeah when people talk about there's a lot of it you talk about those rumors robert wood's name gets thrown around a lot like yeah okay but the, when you have that and i i think we even talked about it on a podcast a while ago, how I kind of came around on that myself. I, I kind of looked at that and went, yeah, Robert Woods, I mean, he's a good receiver, you know, like, you know, probably don't want to lose him if you can. But then you actually look at it and like, wow, you're going to be losing a lot if you let go of, of Robert Woods. And I, I think the Rams saw the same thing. And like, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on, on anybody in particular, but, uh, you know, you, you look at other receivers the Rams have had in, really, really good receivers, Brandon Cooks, like Sammy Watkins, and they just didn't have they, they they were big play receivers, but they just never really seemed totally integrated uh, into the offense. And and again, I'm not going to speculate on on why that was, or, or yeah, and, and there's no blame to be attached to any one particular person. The only reason I bring it up is just to kind of present the contrast of like you see how guys like Woods and and Cup they just like everything that happens on the field. It looks very natural. It looks like that you know everybody's exactly on the same page you know and and when you see that the idea of of parting with it just seems 
ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? Why would you part with this when when you have something that's so difficult uh, to find and so difficult to maintain? And you just don't know if you bring in. I mean, I know everybody is excited about you know bringing in some certain other receivers who had very large names uh, and had success in other places, but you just don't know. You don't know what it's going to look like when you when you bring them into your locker room, into your system, into your huddle. Uh, yeah. you, you don't know what that's going to look like. And, and when you already have it, the idea of of changing it and parting with it, uh, it's scary a little bit. And, and I think maybe that's part of what the Rams are looking at saying, well, why would we mess with this if, if it's something that really works? Here, here's how I think I would maybe explain it. And it's all very good points, too, that you made, because it's certainly not for lack of interest in in players who become available. Like, this is how I would envision the conversation going like, Hey, would you ever, would you ever want to trade for Julio bleep? Yeah, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. See, I think see I know what, who you're doing here. I think I know who's uh, voice. See what's up. Yeah. Yeah, bro. See what's, see what's up with that. See what that might see, see what that might cost. Oh, well, you know, here's what, here's this, this, and this, here's the other teams who are involved. We've had, you know, I've asked, we've talked about it. They've asked me, uh, yeah, the, here's, here's the situation. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. We're out. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like it's yes. really, that's, it's sometimes that simple <laughs> and I, yeah. I don't, you know, it just sometimes is that simple. And yeah. that's the thing because it's not for lack of wanting to get better in every facet because I think everybody, every team should always be trying to get better in every facet. Um, even if you are, you know, returning Super Bowl champions, like I think you always want to be doing that and want to be exploring what the possibilities are. Uh, one thing after that, this year will be really interesting to watch. I think Robert and Cooper both next year will be interesting in terms of how does the team structure maybe sort of change? Because we know that there are a couple guys that they've now brought in who will be waiting in the wings and do they emerge? And also, you know, we know what the Rams kind of are in terms of veterans. It's very rare. Andrew Whitworth maybe being one of the exceptions. And then obviously the quarterback, you pay for veterans long-term. Like part of some of the Rams methodology has been maybe offloading veteran players before they start to you know, as they hit their peak right before they start their maybe de- decline in that peak. Right. Um, and trying to gauge where that is. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not a smart enough football mind to know specifically what that means in terms of receivers. But I do think that while this year production wise will be really, I think could be very special for both Robert and Cooper and for Matthew Stafford, it also could be you know, this could be the year to try to get it get it done because we just don't know what's going to happen long term after that. Um, this was kind of the year because you restructured them. This was kind of the year where you needed to make sure they're locked in, right? And sure. um, and that's you know that becomes you don't. It's very difficult to get rid of that financially at this point. Um, but then what happens after this year, I think, is going to be uh, really interesting to watch. And then to your point earlier on Stafford. I was kind of laughing because I was like, you know what? If this thing fails, if this like totally implodes and we're just watching a, a spiral this season somehow, maybe it's injury or like whatever. Right. And or maybe if it's not just not like maybe good enough, um, you we nobody 
and I'm, I'm, I'm requesting this now. Nobody will, will be able to come out there and say, well, the media hyped up Stafford too much. Oh, no. Sean, Sean McVay is the one doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's yeah. so excited about this guy, clearly. I mean, it's not just his comments a couple weeks ago that I think we've all gotten over, but, right. you know, talking to the MMQB, um, you know, uh, Talking about how uh, how excited he is and how he feels younger, like thirty feels thirty again, and all this stuff, and like he's really clearly very very excited about this guy, and I think it's fine, like it's fine to be publicly excited about it, but I don't want to hear about how this was a media creation a year from now if it all goes down the toilet. Oh, absolutely no. He, he Matthew Stafford. I, I'm not even sure Matthew Stafford's mom likes Matthew Stafford as much as as Sean McVay <laughs> does. So uh, there, there's no question about that. And and that's what's uh, yeah. That you know we, we we covered the the Jared Goff thing you know last week. But yeah, I, I really think that's what it was. It's it's not. It, there's no thought in my mind that that Sean McVay intended to crap on Jared Goff. It's just he literally is so excited about Matthew Stafford that that he can't contain himself. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but there's no question about it. Like, yeah, Sean McVay, he got what he wanted. This is, this is what he wanted. And and I'm not saying that other people in the organization weren't on board with it or didn't agree, but, uh, he, he certainly got what he wanted in this case. So yeah, if it's, uh, if it doesn't go well, nobody will be able to say, oh yeah, the media was hyping up that Rams offense. There was no way it was going to be as good as the, as the media was saying it was going to be. Nope. No, 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 no. This is all, uh, this is all of this is being generated, uh, by, by the Rams and specifically by their, by their head coach. So can't wait to see how that turns out. But uh, Jordan, can we can we pivot to the other side of the ball a, a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, because there's you know, one thing. You know I'm defensive biased. So that's right. <laughs> I <laughs> and, love and, talking and, about it. There, there's another situation here that, that's really interesting to track. And it, again, is it kind of plays out behind the scenes. And I know it's something that, that you've been tracking real closely. And well, I guess we'll call it the green dot, um, meaning uh, that, that defensive signal caller. And, and we've seen it change hands now. This will be the third uh, year in a row because it, it went from Corey Littleton uh, under uh, Wade Phillips. And obviously, Corey went and signed with the uh, Raiders. And, and then it went to John Johnson. And then John Johnson left and signed with Cleveland. And uh, now, of course, uh, a new defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, coming in. Uh, where, where do you think the Rams are with that? And is there a point where they need to make a decision on that, uh, just for the sake of starting to, uh, to, to get that voice and, and, uh, you know, to have that voice on the field? Like, where, where, where are you at with that? Yeah. You know, some, something I really like about this fan base is that they are asking these questions. Like, you know, they're at, it's a smart question to ask, like, who's going to be the, the signal caller? Because I think you saw, and, and sure with, with Corey, certainly, but especially knowing and seeing how Brandon Staley's defense sort of unfolded in its various complexities. And then, um, all of the rotating and all of the position shifting and all of the, um, you know, the post snap rotations and shifts and all of the things that, the traffic that has to be negotiated, right? You really saw how crucial that job is. And John Johnson um, was one of the best, if not the best in the league at, at getting through that communication and and negotiating that extra space and getting his guys through traffic. And then also sort of acting as um, like sort of a, a master key to help unlock various versatile players um, in the secondary, uh, such as Jalen Ramsey and then Troy Hill helped with that as well. And so, 
that guy is so important and um, it can't be understated too how much that helped having a John Johnson when everything is being installed virtually and having him just get it and click and like have him be able to then not just get it, but like communicate it to everybody else um, so well. And now they'll get a little bit more on-field work. And they're also, I don't think going to be changing a lot about what that the defense last year did. I, I had speculated this previously, but I do think maybe you'll see a little bit different ways that they manufacture pressure. Um, Brandon Staley didn't blitz a lot, but I think Raheem uh, maybe is some of his trademarks are like, he's maybe a little bit more aggressive in that regard. And so, you know, you might see just the ways that they maybe just design and manufacture pressure. You might see that be a little bit different, especially with some of the linebackers, if they can stay healthy, uh, like a Traven Howard, if he can stay healthy um, and come in on some of those packages um, and Terrell Burgess staying healthy, maybe coming in on some of those packages. But, you know, I think that um, for the most part, the language, it, it's beneficial for this defense that a lot of the language is the same and a lot of the concepts are the same and they're doing similar things. Um, and I think that's really, really going to be helpful in not only establishing sort of layers upon that and building layers upon that, but also in establishing who the signal caller is going to be. Now, I, I do get a lot of questions about it and, and people rightfully guess, you know, would it be uh, Taylor Rapp? Would it be Terrell Burgess? Would it be Jordan Fuller? All three guys who now that we've seen how well it can work when a safety does it, um, obviously you you sort of gravitate toward that. I do, however, want to make sure that it's when we are looking at this specifically the player who wears the helmet mic has to be on the field the entire game will yeah. be playing 100% of the defensive snaps the entire game doesn't mean he's staying at safety the entire game right or linebacker or whatever but he's playing the entire game now you you need to go back and look at some of the rotations that are probably going to be similar as they were last year you know plugging obviously removing some of the guys who were here last year and plugging in different guys for example, Taylor Rapp uh, will probably come in and maybe play a little bit more of that, you know, starting safety alongside Jordan Fuller, but Terrell Burgess will as well. But Terrell Burgess will also probably play more of that Troy Hill ro role that Kevin Demoff was talking to us about um, as sort of an all-around defensive back who um, I'm not saying they're going to put him at outside corner, for, for example, but playing in the nickel, playing that all around sort of guy who can unlock other versatile pieces um, and certainly playing in the nickel, certainly playing safety alongside Jordan Fuller. Um, but that requires a rotation um, when you're coming into nickel and dime packages that requires a rotation of other players. Yeah. And the common denominator, guys, and again, like, let's look at snap counts. The common denominator is Jordan Fuller. Because Jordan Fuller does not leave the field. Right. And if, you th if you're thinking it's going to be a safety who is going to be calling defensive signals and not a linebacker, which I would assume, based on the way that they sort of scheme away from their linebackers and the way that they sort of try to maybe take some of the load off of their inside linebackers, knowing that that's not a position that they are investing in. Um, and they do have a really promising rookie who they drafted who's going to come in. But again, he's a rookie. So let's temper expectations um, for, for this year specifically. But the common denominator in all of these rotations, the player who does not leave the field other than Jalen Ramsey, who, hell, could do it, uh, could call <laughs> the signal, could probably um, yeah. could probably tell the opposing quarterback where he's throwing the ball before he throws the ball. Other than Jalen Ramsey 
you know, doing that. Jordan Fuller is the common denominator on the field who does not come off the field. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had actually written down Jalen Ramsey's name here, and I'm like, should I say that or not? But I feel I mean, like it, that it, would be so cool, though. Like, yeah, if, I mean, like, talk about somebody who never leaves the field, and you know, he, he certainly knows that knows the defense and and could get everybody lined up. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they kind of uh, you know process all that. Going back, I, I guess how you however you would say it historically or whatever. I mean, it, it's traditionally been been more of a linebacker um, who 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 fills. That role, but uh, we've seen that evolve uh, over time, and and even with the Rams, we we've seen it evolve and and, and change here to where obviously you know John Johnson did a good job, uh, you know calling the calling the signals last year. So uh, yeah, Jordan Fuller would would seem to be a natural one. It's it's a big ask, you know, for for a young guy like that in in his second season to to come in and 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 do that. It's because it's so important, and and you need to be able to to you know be a good communicator. You need to be able to take charge and, you know, not be afraid to not not yell at people in a, in a bad sense, but, you know, get on people and, and make sure that they're in the right spots. And if they're doing something wrong, you need to be able to tell them. So it, it's it's a big role. And, you know, that's why John Johnson, his voice was so strong and. And, uh, you know, people ask that question about Corey Littleton, too, when when he got the green dots, like, wow, Corey's kind of a quiet guy. You know, he wasn't known for, for being real, real loud and, and real outgoing and things like that. But he was very smart. He still is very smart, uh, but was able to kind of diagnose things and 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 it, it maybe fit, fix some things on the field. So you want to have that combination. You want to have that combination of somebody who's you know going to be vocal and, and be able to you know fix things or tell people things, but also uh, be smart. And, and see what's going on on the field. So uh, real real important job, real difficult job. But yeah, when you look at it, Jordan, I'm, I'm not real sure. Uh, a, a lot of it could depend on on how those linebacker positions play out. I mean, I, I looked at a guy like Mike, Micah Kaiser, and I, I think he certainly kind of has the, the, the pedigree to, to do that sort of thing. But uh, don't know. We don't know how yeah. that situation is going to play out. It, how often, you know, what's the percentage of plays that he's going to be on the field or uh, what? what's the rotation going to look like there? So, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that's something that you want to have in place? I, I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure they're thinking about it right now. But is is that something you want kind of want to have in place by the time training camp starts? Or, or can you kind of uh, maybe even test out a couple guys there and, and see see how that looks? I think you test test out guys. The the thing that was interesting about training camp last year, obviously it was um they were trying to fit a lot of work into a short period of time, so it might be a little bit different this year. Everybody had a helmet mic, right? Like yeah. Brandon Staley had like this big giant walkie-talkie and every guy had was on a different channel and then there was like a mm. a, ma- a main channel and all the linebackers, all the middle linebackers had a helmet mic and um several of the safeties had a helmet mic. It wasn't necessarily that that was determined um, by when training camp started. But I think John was a clear front runner in that just by nature of his personality, um, stepping up in meetings and things like that and just fit so naturally into the space. And then when they installed the scheme and, and it was clear that he was going to be on the field the entire time, earned the job. Like he, he earned the job because there was, you know, a couple of other guys who did play all the snaps, but John Johnson very much did earn that job. So, that's going to be one thing that I I caution fans. I know everybody's going to be able to watch practices now, um, and I do love that this is a detail that fans are looking for, but I do caution fans that everybody's going to have a helmet mic, so, 
So don't right. so don't get excited when you see guys talking in their in their helmet mics or in the walkie talkie or anything like that right away because it's all it's all de- by design. Everything's going to be sort of installed block by block. Um, and one interesting part of training camp too is, and I don't know how the Rams will do it. I guess I'll see. But I remember when I covered the Panthers, um, you know, one week of camp. Um, and this is I told this story on a previous podcast, but it's like one of my favorite stories. One of the weeks of camp is spent installing maybe for your first two, one or two opponents because you're trying to get a jump on things. Last year, this couldn't happen because you're just trying to get your own shit taken care of. Like it was so much time was so truncated that you just had to try to get all your own stuff. I remember before the season opener, Panthers Rams and they were the Panthers were uh, scrimmaging with the with the Bills. Um, they had like the joint practices and that was so much fun. And man, those Bills fans traveled. Oh my God. <laughs> Thousands of them at in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, this Southern humidity is no joke. But it was loud and it was fun. And the Bills were really starting to come into their own. And um, yeah. it was so fun to watch that defense because talk about an athletic defense. I mean, they were, they were fun to watch. And one of the, I was talking with Captain Munerlin, who was with the Panthers formerly and then was playing for the Bills, um, who like signed all of these Panthers players. <laughs> right. Um, Carolina North. And we were talking about how they were installing for the Rams that week. And I started noticing that um Ron Rivera was putting an extra defensive back on the field. Now mm. I had been tra- I had tracked like Ron Rivera loves to be a nickel. And he loves a big nickel, which he calls Buffalo. And that was sort of Shaq Thompson's position. Mm-hmm. And um, so he loves that. But they have not, in 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 the, four, what was it, four or five years that he was the head coach running that defense. And Sean McDermott as well, coming from that tree, they had not played a single snap of dime. And Buffalo had played two snaps of dime since yeah. Sean McDermott took over as head coach. No dime, no dime. Yeah. But... The really cool thing was they were about to open the season against a team that was using more 11 personnel than any other team in the league and was changing the way that the league valued 11 personnel. And you need to defend that a lot of times in dime. And so they installed a a, a dime package with Ross Cockrell, who, good for him, just won a Super Bowl in Tampa. But they installed a dime package specifically with Ross, Ross Cockrell that last week of training camp specifically for the Rams. And, you know, it was a good battle, too. That was a that was a I mean, it wasn't a good game. It was a terrible game. But it was like, you know, they 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 gave it, you know, they they especially were running it on on third down and especially bringing in um, this specific dime package that they had installed that last week of camp. So that is one of the most fun things for me about getting a real preseason getting a real training camp is you can start to see some of the pieces get put into place now i probably won't be allowed to report them live Ah, Um, i wasn't able to write the panthers story until after they played the rams (laughs) so um just by nature of access rules but you know just little things that you start to fill your notebook with and little things that fans will be able to see and i'm so excited for that and um things that you, you start to watch these little clues get put together in training camp um you know green dot aside all of the little pieces that have to start assembling and, and really start to be constructing um, and, con- and, and um, that like I, I'm going to just keep saying this and it's probably annoying by now, but all the little building blocks and the little Lego pieces that you start stacking up, yeah. um, that's, that's the time of year where it starts to happen. 
Yeah, absolutely, Jordan. I mean, what do you what do you think? Training camp will be they'll be on the field in a month, and uh, it's it's coming fast. Uh, we, we've talked about a couple of, of really important areas here. Is is there anything else that that you're looking at? I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I'm I'm looking at is is kind of how that defensive line rotation is going to look, and and it's been it's been an interesting uh, uh, thing over the last few years. I mean, even before Eric Henderson was there, uh, how the Rams kind of rotated those guys. They obviously used to have more of a traditional four man front, and and now things changed quite a bit uh, under Brandon Staley. Um, and now, of course, not having Michael Brockers on the field for the first time in a decade, pretty much, uh, is is going to change things. Uh, you still have, obviously, have Aaron Donald, uh, Ashawn Robinson back, Sebastian Joseph Day back, Greg, Greg Gaines is back, and then they've added a, a couple rookies to that mix. There's other guys who are kind of we're kind of on the the fringe of the roster, like an Eric Banks, uh, somebody like that. So um, there's there's a lot of bodies there. You you look at the the Rams roster and and that uh, that defensive front. There are a lot of options. I am uh, very curious to see how exactly those guys line up. I'm very curious to see how Sebastian Joseph Day in particular uh, maybe handles a, a bigger role. I'm not necessarily talking about snaps. Uh, but just a uh, you know a bigger role within that defense, more responsibilities, more expectations. Uh, I'm curious to see how the rookies fit in uh, exactly if they can get into that rotation. Uh, what. Uh, percentage of snaps might one of them be able to play or both of them. Uh, curious about Greg Gaines, a guy who's kind of kind of came in with a, uh, some pretty high expectations. People were even talking about him as being a potential starter uh, as, as a rookie, and it didn't really pan out that way. And he's kind of had spot duty over over the last little while here. A lot of little interesting, intriguing storylines for me there, Jordan, within that that defensive front. So uh, is, is there anything like that that, that you're going to be uh, kind of particularly keeping your eye on once once camp starts yeah absolutely and I think that's such a good one rich to to focus on and and such big questions to answer there um, as guys sort of step up into the expectation that has been set year over year by Eric Henderson and, and that staff and I think on the other side of the ball I Kevin Demoff gave us a little bit of crap for it I'm gonna keep harping on it <laughs> um, the offensive line yeah. um, I you can have all the fluff pieces you want out about the Rams offensive line or, or any position, really any position on the field. You could have any, none, none of this, none of it matters until they actually start playing against actual action. These practices against the the Raiders and the Cowboys are going to be so important because they're padded practices and still in training camp, you don't go, you know, all out like you would in a game, but it's more important to get those snaps um, not just as this offensive line, but particularly the way that they've moved around their interior. I do not worry about Andrew Whitworth. I really don't worry about Rob Havenstein, like, but the interior specifically, Austin Corbett, who has been drawing a lot of praise and so by, by coaches and by teammates. So I'm not at all detracting from that. But none of what we say about the offensive line, even my criticism of the decisions that they've made, um, to sort of create those two question marks. Like, I think Austin Corbett's a great offensive lineman. The question is, can he be a great center, right? Yeah. And I think Bobby Evans has so much potential. The question is, can he step into this major, major role there at right guard? So 
to me, even the criticism, it, that even that doesn't matter. The good stuff, the bad stuff, none of it matters until we actually see what there is to see when these guys are playing actual football, not in shorts, clacking pads against some other guys. Um, you know, the first day that you go against Aaron Donald in live pads drills, like what happens, you know? So that's yeah, that's yeah. really what matters. And so, I'm, you know, we can we can harp on it all we want or we could praise it all we want. Um, probably a little bit of both. And all, all that matters is um, what that actually looks like in its full execution and iteration once the real stuff actually starts happening. So um, it's going to be a, a long, a long observation process in that regard, but that's my, that's still my number one. I don't, I don't, you know, one of the things that kind of keeps popping up into my brain is I remember when Lafleur took over, uh, in Green Bay. And then the first year, that offense kind of had its ups and downs and it was something totally different than what Aaron Rodgers was used to. And, you know, the some of the stuff that came out was, and I might be misremembering this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like, oh, he's, you know, not happy sometimes with with the offense and he's it's just, he's doing stuff that he doesn't want to do. And then the next year he really bought in and had this MVP season. Um, I'm completely paraphrasing, but to me, I don't think, I don't think the buy-in is an issue at all. And I think that Matthew has had a lot of different guys running offenses that he is okay with adjusting and doing things somewhat differently at at times than maybe he has before. Um, But it's, you just don't know how it's going to work. You could have, again, you could have Aaron Rodgers running your offense in his first year and it could still stumble at times, right? And it could still stutter and have different things that maybe didn't quite meet the expectations of of when the new the new guy, in this case Matt Lafleur, came in um, with an MVP caliber quarterback. Well, how does it work in the first year differently for everybody? Of course, but I do think about that, and and at times with you know how how is this all going to click together? How can they get all cylinders firing smoothly? at one time. And I do think, again, the receivers are such a huge part of that. Um, and them being so cohesive is such a huge part of that. I think Andrew Whitworth is a huge part of that. Um, and, and Matthew Stafford himself is a huge part of that. So that's obviously the, the number one overarching question is how is this going to work? Can this group at least meet, if not exceed the expectation of very lofty expectations that have been set for them? And how do all, all of these things click together you know, you don't necessarily have to be setting records every game, but you need to be efficient and you need to be cohesive and you need to avoid, you know, um, inefficiencies in, in decision-making, inefficiencies in, in um, whether that's the play call or the, the execution. Um, avoiding inefficiencies, especially in that first part of the season, is really part of the way that you build momentum down the stretch. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, that's why training camp is, is so awesome to watch and uh, really uh, excited that, you know, fans get to, to watch some of those uh, practices. And yeah, if you, if you realize, I always like to focus in on, on a position group and, and to watch those offensive linemen in particular is super interesting sometimes. I mean, it's not the most exciting things sometimes uh, to, to watch, but uh, to, to really watch their drills and then their rotations and, and things like that, I, I always learn a lot from, from watching them. So uh, I, I think it'll be uh, a super interesting thing to track during training camp and Jordan I know you're going to be all over it and uh, you're you're 
coverage during the off season has has been fantastic, and here we are, right on the cusp of of getting back on the field and 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 watching some football again. So, everybody, uh, please, if uh, you haven't already, follow along with Jordan on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue, and of course, you are going to want to keep track of all of Jordan's coverage on The Athletic. You can do that by going to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And Jordan, if you go there and you're not a subscriber, what can you get? Oh my gosh, my favorite thing in the world, Rich, a discount, a great deal. You can always get a discount on your athletic subscription when you subscribe through the 11 Personnel Podcast. And guys, just because I'm taking a little bit of a break here, uh, clearing my head out a little bit, uh, clearing my notebook out a little bit, getting new batteries in the old recorders, uh, metaphorically <laughs> and physically, literally. <laughs> um, I still am going to have some stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks that I am really, really excited about. Uh, one of the projects I've been working on for a little while uh, that touched on some of my time um, sort of embedded at the Quarterback Collective back in May that we talked about on this podcast. Um, met a lot of up-and-coming coaches who I think you guys will be really interested in learning more about. And uh, so I've, I've pre-written some of that. That's going to come out, um, we, we hope, the first week of July, uh, maybe after the after the holiday, and then there's also a lot of a lot to talk about getting ready for camp in terms of breaking down these positions. And so we're going to definitely. I, I've I've uh, been working a little extra this week to try to make sure that there's some content that's pre-written for you guys, so that if you are a subscriber and we so appreciate you um, supporting us, that you are definitely not getting a gap in your coverage, and um, that is really important to me. I know it's really important to Rich, um, and we're just happy to have you. We can't wait until you know we're the next time that you hear our voices they will be dripping with excitement whether it's an emergency podcast episode dissecting the new uniforms or whether it's us breaking down everything you need to know about rams training camp on the eve of training camp itself and in the meantime you guys can always find me on twitter you can always find rich on twitter although he has been smart about taking breaks from time to time from social media um and Please don't forget to go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also find bonus content um, over there on Apple Podcasts, a couple mailbag, a lot of content across all of our podcast platforms for subscribers. And as always, we really appreciate you guys, and we'll catch you next time.